0: We, we thank you that you are here, and we pray for ears to hear, for, for eyes to see what you are saying, what you are doing, and, um, and, and that's, that's our heart, Lord God, above all else, not to get through um, material, not to, not to sing the songs that are prepared, although we're going to honor you in that, Lord, but to pick up on your heart, Holy Spirit, and to do what it is that, uh, that you are wanting to do. That's right. Um, and we pray this in, in Jesus' name. So Matthew chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Uh, a few years ago, I, I mentioned we have a son who's nearly 16. I think we've mentioned that. And a few years ago when he was in middle school, um, is that a phrase you're familiar with? Yeah. Middle school? Yeah. 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 Elementary school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're good. <laughs> he was uh, he was doing a sex ed class, and he was learning about hormones and puberty and all of those uh, fun things. And so my son decided to get out in front of the smelly armpits that young teenage boys go through. And uh, so he decided to start wearing cologne and wearing deodorant, but like really excessively. And, uh, and so I would smell him a mile away. Like he literally could be smelled a mile away. But then I noticed that he was smelling particularly good. And I realized after a couple of days that he wasn't using a can of Axe deodorants, but he was actually using my cologne as his uh, ex- excessive kind of fragrancing of his, of his armpits. And uh, so I told him, I said, but listen, be excessive with a $6 can of deodorant, but don't go anywhere near my $60 bottle of, of, of cologne. A couple of days after that, uh, Debs was driving Kate to school, and he was feeling a little down and discouraged. And uh, all of our kids have experienced this, but Debs is famous, you are a world changer, you are a world shaker kind of talks, you know, and uh, and so she she stopped the car and she gave it to Cade and said, buddy, come on. You know, yeah. you are a you are a world changer. You are a, you are a, you have the, the courage and the strength and the anointing. And I want you to go into the day today with the strength and the courage and the anointing of God. And I loved Cade's response. Immediately he said, yes. And with the fragrance of dad's cologne. And, uh, <laughs> I like, "That's a sharp little kid." But, but it got me. It got me thinking. Like, you know, as followers of Jesus, we we are armed with the strength and the courage and the boldness um, that 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 comes with being followers of Jesus. But we are also called to carry the fragrance of the gospel. Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter two, it says, "Through our yielded lives." This is from the message paraphrase. Through our yielded lives, the exquisite fragrance. Of the knowledge of God is spread everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one. So, the question we're going to explore is what do others smell when they are, are around you? Do they smell the exquisite aroma of Jesus? Do they smell the exquisite aroma of Jesus? Do they do they smell the fragrance of Christ in me, the hope of glory? Do they smell the the fragrance of God's steadfast love and His and His endless uh, His endless mercies and His great faithfulness? Do they smell the aroma of His His peace and His joy and His righteousness, His peace and joy that surpasses knowledge, and the the scent that comes from knowing that Christ is always with me, and will never leave me? Or do they smell the stench of performance and religion? And that's what we're going to look at today. How do you think you smell to others? I can tell you exactly how you smell to the Father. There's this incredible account in the the book of Genesis where um, Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau, are wrestling for the Father's blessing. And Jacob decides to hide himself in the older son, as it were. He puts on the garments of the older son. And he comes into the presence of the father. And the father says, ah, the fragrance and smell of my son. And friends, that's exactly how, what the father says over us. We hide ourselves in Jesus. Jesus. We put the garments of Christ on. We are in Christ. And when we come into the presence of the Father, the Father says over us, ah, the smell of my son and my daughter. So if we smell like Jesus to the Father, the question we're going to look at today is how do we smell to the world? What is the fragrance of the gospel? What is the fragrance of the kingdom of God? And I think we can find some answers in Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to read the first eight verses together. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12... Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town or or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And so we're going to look at five aspects or five things that we can learn from this text, which I think describes something of the fragrance of the kingdom of God, something of that fragrance of Christ that you and I are called to gar- carry as we go back to our homes, as we go back to our cities, as we go back to our churches. Firstly, the fragrance of the gospel has a context. The fragrance of the gospel has a context. Now, look at verse 35 of chapter 9. So just a, a few verses before the text that we looked at. Verse 35 of chapter nine says this: Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So the, the context of the gospel for Jesus were those in towns and villages that he visited. They were those he he who listened to his sermons in the sonnet, in the synagogues. Those that they were those who needed healing and who needed deliverance. And in verse thirty six. The context of the gospel for Jesus were those who were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. I want you to think for a moment, who is that for you? Who is that for you? Who in your uh, sphere of influence are, are those who are like sheep who need a shepherd? Who are those who are harassed and are carrying burdens and are needing healing and are needing deliverance? If someone were to to follow you around with a camera for two weeks and to take photographs of you in your everyday life and then you were to gather all of those photographs, who would be the people that you would see in those photographs that you encounter almost every single day? I don't think we actually are fully aware of the people that we encounter all the time. And the question we need to ask ourselves is who is in our frame? Who is in our frame? Because those are the people that God wants us to impact, which is why, and I said this a little earlier, what we consider to be mundane, the mundane things of life, they actually carry incredible kingdom significance. So when we're doing the mundane things, we are encountering people all the time. The owner of perhaps your favorite restaurant in your neighborhood or perhaps the barista at the coffee shop or the bus driver or the colleague at work, or the family member that doesn't know Jesus that you come in, into contact with regularly. There are people that God has put around us in our frame. That's the context for us in which we are to preach the gospel and to bring this amazing fragrance and aroma of the gospel. Look at verse 36, though. It says this is it says this about Jesus. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them. If you do have a paper Bible, it's worth underlining, underlining the word saw and the word compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And if you did, if you did a little study on, the, on the, the Greek word saw, it's not to see with, with biology. It's, it's not to see with the, that just the natural ability that we have. It actually means to perceive. It means to to have something of the Father's heart, to see somebody, and to to have an insight as to how the Father sees them. And Jesus saw these people with the prophetic insight of the Father, with with the compassion that the Father carries, which is why Jesus had compassion on them. And that's how the Father wants us to see the people around us. Not just with biology, but with the perception that comes from heaven. Which, can I say, is why the prophetic last night is so essential. I loved what Laura said. The other, you know, p- prophesy, and, and she spoke about not just prophesy over those in the church. Yes, people in the church are harassed and need to hear the word of God. But friends, the prophetic, I don't want to get onto this, but 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the prophetic operating in the context of unbelievers being around. But we need to take that outside of the four walls of the church on Sundays. And Monday through Saturday, asking the Lord, taking the time, Lord, I'm waiting on you. What is it that you want to say to the barista at the coffee shop, to the restaurant owner on, our, on the high street, or wherever God is calling us to go? Let us be those who, who see just like Jesus sees. So the fragrance of the gospel has a context. And the context is the people that God has placed around us, our sphere of influence which is so different to the person sitting next to you. But that's by God's design. I love that. Secondly, the fragrance of the gospel comes with a call. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. It sounds a lot like what Jesus said to the disciples, come to me. I mean, those words, I I wish I had more time because we could unpack just those three words, come to me. The 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 absolute acceptance that comes with those words. The prophetic potential that comes with those words. When Jesus sees us and calls us to himself. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is not giving us five steps to to, uh, alleviate weariness. He's not calling us to follow principles. He's calling us to follow himself. He's calling us to follow a person. We are invited into a relationship. Friends, we need to understand that the, the call to be with Jesus always supersedes the call to do things for Jesus. Now, in a few moments, we're going to see the commission that comes. God, Jesus does send out the disciples to do things, but the sending out comes after the calling too. To be with Jesus must always supersede the things that we do for Jesus. We've uh, been talking about lockdown a lot, and I keep referring back to Rob's sermon, which I just thought was absolutely outstanding. And one of the, the, the side effects, certainly in the states, of COVID and lockdown, and one of the societal kind of challenges that that we face, especially in busy cities, and we're facing this in Chicago, is the increased... Uh, um, work ethic, or not even work ethic, the increased work demands placed on people. Because you suddenly remove the commute into work, and you remove those boundaries of office hours, and you've got two to three extra hours on your hands with very blurred boundaries. And people are working excessively hard. And the danger is, is that we take that mindset into We take that that thinking into our relationship with the Lord. Performance, performance, performance. And friends, there are things that God has called us to do. We're going to get that in in a few moments. But we need to come against that. Luke chapter 10, that incredible story of when Jesus goes to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha, yes, is quick to serve. And there's nothing wrong with serving. But Jesus says of, of Mary, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen it. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen it. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Time in prayer, time waiting on the Father. Jesus was so incredibly focused. He had such a clear sense of mission because Jesus often went away in the early morning and to spend time with his Father. That was Jesus' rhythm of renewal and refreshing. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, is, what is my, what is your rhythm of renewal and refreshing? Seasons in life change. We, we, we take on new jobs that have different hours. We become parents. We, we find ourselves in different relationships that demand things of us. And, and, and the demands on life change. But friends, we always need to be discovering and, and fighting for that rhythm of renewal and refreshing. That time in the Father's presence. It's interesting that what precedes Luke 10, that, that, that passage in, in Luke 10 where, where Mary uh, uh, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. What precedes that is Jesus sending out the 72 to go and do the, ministry, the work of the ministry. And then right after that is the parable of the Good Samaritan. This, this call for us to reach across cultural and social lines to minister to people. And then comes this this passage of Mary sitting at Jesus' at feet. And I, I, I felt this, this thing. There is one thing more important than ministry for Jesus, and that is being ministered to by Jesus. There is one thing more important than ministry for Jesus, and that is being ministered to by Jesus. Kevin DeYoung is a pastor in Michigan, and he wrote a book on busyness. And he, he says this. I love this. We won't say no to more busyness until we can say yes to more Jesus. It's not wrong to be tired. It's not wrong to feel overwhelmed. It's not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos. What is wrong is to live a life with more busyness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. Such a powerful, such a powerful passage. Essentially what he's saying is we need to fight for those rhythms of renewal and refreshing to be with Jesus. Otherwise, as we are sent out, and that's the that's the next thing. It's not the fragrance of the gospel has a context, it has a call. And then thirdly, it's about a commission. Jesus commissions his disciples, Jesus commissions us, and I touched on this quite extensively in the first session this morning. This this call to live with a, with an idea that we are sent. Every day to go and, to, and to, uh, uh, to bring the light of Christ, to bring the, 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 the power of the kingdom, the peace and the power of the kingdom, the life and the love and, and, and the liberty of the kingdom. Uh, we are called to be kingdom carriers, those who go in advance the, the kingdom of God. Verse 1, Jesus gave them authority. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12. Verse 7, uh, as you go... Proclaim this message and I I touched on this earlier. It's Jesus says in the same way John chapter 20 verse 21 in the same way that the father sent me. I am sending you and and, and think about that. And and again, I touched on this, but it's worth repeating Jesus was sent by the father into a time and place in history. He, He was sent to to learn what it what it what it meant to live in a family as a single man. In a culture which saw singleness as something very obscure. He learned how to be faithful in that. He learned how to be faithful to, as a carpenter's son. He learned how to live in poverty. He grew up in a very poor family. He learned how to navigate his way through a culture, the Roman culture, that dismissed the, kingdom of, the idea of God. Or the Jewish culture that distorted the idea of God. But he went with the full backing and authority of heaven. And that's how Jesus sends us. He sends you and I, post-COVID, for a time such as this. He has placed you in the place of work. He is, some of you are single, and God still wants you to advance the kingdom. Please, if you, are, if you are single, don't think of yourself as a second-rate follower of Jesus, because the culture demands that you are married. God has a call and a purpose on your life. Malcolm yesterday spoke about those over 60. Don't think your time is up. Those who are young, don't think you are too young. Don't think you are too old. Don't think this or that. God has placed you where you are for a time such as this with the full backing and authority of heaven. The resources of heaven at your disposal. I think sometimes we love to talk about the kingdom of God. It's a passion, it's a passion of mine, it's a passion of all of us. We talk about the kingdom often. But I think we, must, we mustn't make the mistake of, of the kingdom being a conversation that is theoretical and not practical. We've got to think through how do we make the kingdom, how, how do we put arms and legs to the kingdom? And, and I've often thought to myself, you know, the, the, the kingdom needs to be very practical out there, out in the world. Do we know the stories of the people that are in your frame? Do we know their hardships? Do we know their challenges? Do we know their joys? Do we know their successes? Do we know the, the story of the people in here? The people that you, quote unquote, do church with, do life with. Have you asked them how God has called them to advance the kingdom and how you might be able to help? You see, it's important for us to discern how God has called us to advance the kingdom. But have you taken time to sit down with Dave and to and to discuss and, and discover what's on his heart and to think through how can I help him? How can I come alongside him to see how the kingdom of God could advance? You see, that's when we link. We've, God's been speaking about that this this weekend, linking arms together and discovering together how we can advance the kingdom of God. Exodus chapter three is a passage you know well. This this incredible kind of encounter that Moses has with God and and God revealing Himself as as I am. It's this it's this amazing passage that. Uh, God says to Moses, "I am sending you out to, to to I'm sending you to bring my people out." And and, and Moses says essentially, "Who am I? I? I I can't do I can't do it." Maybe you've responded that way as God has placed this idea this 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 um, call on your life to to go to the people that are in your sphere, and you say, "Who who am I?" And God answers Moses. He says, I will be with you. In the Amplified, it says, it says this, you think I'm choosing you because of what you can do? And God, I feel, would say that to us. You think I'm choosing you because of what you can do? That's not the point. The point is that God is with us. And that's what God reveals to, to, to Moses. Moses says, I am who I am, is sending you. In other words, I am the one of of absolute resourcefulness and unlimited capability. That's the one who's sending us into the spheres of influence. God says to Moses, tell them that the I am has sent you. And in the same way, God sends Jesus, for example, the bread of life. Jesus sends us to our friends who might be hungry for truth. Just like God sent Jesus the light of the world, Jesus is sending you and I to a family who might be blinded by darkness. Just as God sent Jesus the good shepherd, Jesus is sending us to work to a work colleague harassed and helpless and in need of a shepherd. Just as Jesus just as God sent Jesus the resurrection and the life, Jesus is sending you and I to a neighbour who is sick and spiritually dead point I'm trying to make, friends, is just as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. The aroma and fragrance of the gospel has a context. It has a call. There's a commission. Fourthly, and this has come up a lot, the, uh, the, the fragrance of the gospel is outworked within community. Within community. We, we have the privilege of doing this together, celebrating the highs. And encouraging and, and, and coming alongside each other in the lows, in the disappointments, rejoicing when God breaks through, praying and, and consoling when things don't go as we had hoped. Verse 2 says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. And then uh, uh, Luke goes on to, to list who the 12 apostles are. And, and we, we could break down each and every one of, of those men who were called by Jesus, this This um, motley crew of, of, of men. It includes two sets of brothers who owned competing fishing businesses. Just think about that for a moment. Two sets of brothers. If you have a brother, you know what it's like at times how you, you know. But then not just two sets of brothers. Two sets of brothers who owned competing fishing businesses. It's like Jesus going to the high street and seeing two restaurants at each end of the high street. The only two restaurants on the street and saying, come, follow me. But then on top of that, Jesus calls the tax collector, who is no doubt swindling money from these two competing fishes, fishing businesses. And Jesus says, we're going to figure out what it looks like to love one another in here and to show honor to one another. And to see that the life of God within one another so that we can show the world what it looks like. And that's what God wants to do through the local church. God wants to show us what it looks like to love and to honor and to submit to one another and to worship Jesus together, so that together we can show the world what it looks like when Jesus is King. I mentioned this verse before, but I'll just say it again. Uh, at the very first, um, the very first prayer time we had before the first session, I think it was Andrew who brought up this idea of this now word of God, and this this word now has just been ringing in my ears this whole weekend and. I just want to read this verse again, Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11. It's one that we know, but God's intent was that now through the church. And I said this at some point, I think, but it was true when Paul wrote this. And it was true uh, 400 years ago. It was true 100 years ago, and it's just as true today. It is, God's intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The fragrance of the gospel has a context. It comes with a call. There's a commission. It's outworked within community. And lastly, there's a cost. But it's not really a cost. Because what Jesus gives us, we give away. There's a river of life that flows from the throne room through our lives into others. We are not called to store up or stock up or damn up whatever God has given us. It came through last night in the, in, in the teaching on prophecy. God doesn't download things in our hearts so that we can into our minds and hearts so that we can file them away and say, my goodness, God speaks to me. It's as God speaks and we we obey the, the, the prompting of the Spirit that God downloads even more. The more we give away of the life of God, the more God pours out His Spirit upon us. And that's essentially what I, I think kind of uh, summarized or, or, or was so characteristic of Jesus' ministry. Peter summarizes Jesus' ministry in Acts chapter 10 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I mean, that's essentially was Jesus' ministry. Jesus spent time with the Father. Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ministered the life of God. But then Jesus went back into the presence of the Father and found that clarity and that purpose and that power again and did exactly that. Friends, we cannot do anything different. The power and life of God is not for us to hold on to, but it's for us to give away. And for me, this, this is the Holy Spirit. There is, a, there is an anointing. There is, a, there is a fragrance to the anointing of God. There is a smell to the anointing of God. It actually tells us in the book of Exodus That there was such a thing called the fragrant anointing oil, where anything or anyone that was being set aside to be used of God, they had to be anointed with this fragrant anointing oil. Don't turn there, but you can find this passage in Exodus chapter 30, and it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the following fine spices, 50 shekels of, of liquid myrrh, Half as much, that is 25 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 25 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, a hen of olive oil, make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer, it will be the sacred anointing oil. Now, we're not going to get technical. Essentially, what that amounted to is five gallons of this viscous, syrupy, Fragrant pungent anointing oil now when we think of anointing somebody um, Often we think of taking a little bit of olive oil and kind of dabbing on someone's forehead That's not what they did in the new and Te- the Old Testament. They would t- take this entire five-gallon barrel of pungent sticky Fragrant anointing oil and they would pour it down on top of the person's head And it would run down their head. And if they had a beard like me, it would run down their beard, over their shoulders. In fact, Psalm 133 tells us that. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing even life forevermore. Now, imagine you, you being anointed with, covered with five gallons of this viscous, sticky, pungent anointing oil. Before you go to an appointment, people are know you're coming. They can smell you a mile away. They sense you are on the way. And after you leave that appointment, everywhere you step, you are leaving something of that fragrance anointing oil. Friends, if that's true before the cross, and everything in the Bible before the cross is less than after the cross, if that's how people were anointed before the cross, how much more, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, do we carry something of that fragrance of God? Not just anointed in one moment, but anointed continually the Holy Spirit living upon us, running down. Our heads, giving us clarity of thought, driving out anxiety and fear and worry, falling down our eyes so that we can see people just like Jesus sees them, over our ears so that we can hear the Father speaking to us, over our mouths so that we can boldly and courageously declare the truth of the gospel, falling down onto our shoulders so that we can carry the authority of God with humility. Falling down on our hearts so that we can have a tenderness of heart and, and, and understand how God is moving. Onto our hands so that as we touch people, there's an impartation that is released. And down onto our feet because we are called to carry the good news of the gospel. That's what God wants to do to us as we go. You know, most mornings, I don't do it every morning, but most mornings when I shower, I think about that. I stand under the shower, and as the water runs down from my head, I think of the Holy Spirit just filling me. And I often pray, Lord, drive out any anxious thoughts in Jesus' name. Lord, help me to see in the way that you see people. Lord, help me to speak. Help me to hear what you are saying. Lord, I want to carry your anointing with humility. Lord, would you touch my hands with your power so that I could see the the, the sick healed and those who are bound set free. And Lord, may my feet carry the good news of the gospel. I'd love for us to stand this morning. And that's what I'd love to pray before I hand over to Andrew. Just to pray exactly that. And I trust, uh, I want to invite you just to be in a posture of receiving this morning. What I've just described is essentially what I'm going to be praying. Just for the Spirit of God to fall upon us. So posture yourselves in a way, whatever that looks like. But Holy Spirit, we, I thank you that we don't have to welcome you. I thank you that you are here and that you want to minister and that you want to empower and that you want to equip. We, we thank you, Jesus, for all that was imparted and taught. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the word made flesh. We thank you that we haven't just heard information this week, but we have, we have caught a revelation of you through the teaching and through the worship and through the ministry. Jesus, our eyes have been opened to the truth, a greater truth, a deeper truth of who you are. But Lord, we, we just ask as we, as we prepare ourselves to, to pack up, as it were, and to, and to head back to the different regions and cities, to the north and south and east and west, cities and regions that you've given to us, Lord God, as we prepare to step back into what we might think is the mundane parts of life. But Lord, we know today. That you have shown us that they are full of kingdom potential. But Lord, we say we don't want to go in our strength. We can't go in our strength. Lord, just as Moses prayed, Lord, don't send me out unless you go with me. We, we pray, Lord God, don't send us from this place without you filling us, without you anointing us, without you empowering us. And so, Father, I ask for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, would you be poured out from the top of our heads to the very tips of our toes, Lord God. Come now, Holy Spirit, where there is fear, where there is doubt, where there is a lack of clarity of thinking. Holy Spirit, would you just bring peace, peace, peace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I, I felt earlier as I was praying. Just this, this. There are some who are just who, who are wrapped up in a, in a lack of clarity of thought. There, there's there's just a, a, a yeah, just a lack of clarity of thinking. Do I do this? Do I do that? And I just feel the Father wants to bring clarity, clarity. Just that fog. Think of, think of that fog on a country road, just being blown away by the Spirit. Just that path, the road being opened up. Lord, I pray that over some folks here today. Clarity of thought, clarity of vision. The, uh, the certainty of what we are called to do. Lord, give us ears to hear. We want to hear your voice. Lord, would you anoint our eyes. That we would see people in the way you see them, Jesus. Harassed. In need of a shepherd. Father, would you anoint our lips, our tongues. May we be those who would be bold proclaimers of the truth of the gospel. Lord, I, I just see this picture of, a, of someone, of us standing with loud hailers. Declaring the truth of of the gospel lord even though we may be timid in heart thank you that you want to multiply the effectiveness of the of our proclamation of the gospel holy spirit you even promised to give us the words to say as we face those situations where we are intimidated thank you lord that you are calling people to speak the truth of the gospel father we pray for the ability to carry your authority with humility of heart. Thank you, Lord, that the anointing rests upon us. That authority, Jesus, that you gave your disciples, you have given to us. The authority of, of, of you being with us wherever we go. Just open your hands if you if your hands aren't open. Father, we pray for our these hands. We receive from you. We receive from you. May these hands be be powerful weapons that would release healing and wholeness, that would drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And then, Father, I thank you for the beautiful feet that every one of us have. The beautiful feet As we carry the good news of the kingdom. Would you anoint our feet? Would you anoint our feet Lord? Would you anoint our feet as we step out. And carry the good news of the gospel. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you you, Jesus. Thank you Lord.